Hello, and welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show, a podcast to help you unlock tremendous growth for your app. My name is Shamant Rao. I'm the CEO of the boutique growth marketing firm, Rocketship HQ, and host of the podcast, Mobile User Acquisition Show. In each episode, we feature experts in the field of mobile growth and discuss strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile growth marketing. By the end of each episode, you will have gained actionable and tactical insights that will help you make more informed decisions in your own work around growth. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is produced by Meryl Vincent, Content Marketing Manager at Rocketship HQ. Our guest today is Atif Khan, CEO at Stardust. Atif is here to talk about all things Web3 gaming. He talks about the use of community to drive the growth of Web3-based games, and how exactly Web3 games stack up against console games and free-to-play games. We then talk about the platforms Atif believes will be the key to effective user acquisition for Web3-based games. Atif shares his thoughts on how UA strategies will play out on these platforms vis-a-vis free-to-play games. He also talks about NFTs, how they're changing gaming fundamentally, and the missing pieces that are still needed in order to make them much, much more valuable in the whole Web3 space. We're very thrilled to share this fascinating episode on this show. I'm very excited to welcome Atif Khan to the show. Atif, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to catch up. Uh, you know, I've known you for so many years and so excited to, yeah. to chat. Certainly, certainly. As you said, we've worked together for many, many years when you were at Facebook and uh, certainly was very, very impressed by the insight you brought to a lot of the conversations we had. We're connecting because of what you do now and uh, what you've been sharing very openly in your That Dude in Crypto series, if you will. Uh, And for folks that aren't familiar with that, please check out Atif's writing on LinkedIn. Also on Twitter. I, I don't believe I've read you on Twitter, but it's also yep. on Twitter. Right. Yep. So yeah, you've been very much in the trenches of all things Web3 and crypto. And uh, I'm excited to dive into a lot of that today because certainly Web3 and crypto are changing gaming as we know it, are changing a lot of tech as we know it. And I'm excited to dive into all of that uh, with you today. Right? Yeah, I no, appreciate it. I'm excited. To start off, right now, there is a lot of buzz around community as a key lever for the growth of Web3-based games. Do you see that being sustainable long-term? It's an interesting concept, especially if you look at some of the players in the space. If you look at like a BAYC, Board 8 Yacht Club, right? You know, you look at what they've been able to do by building a really strong community. I mean, they've built a billion dollar brand just in a few months, just based on community. And so we're seeing a little bit of a, of a paradigm shift where community allows you to define your brand. And then over time, that brand that they help you define decreases your cost of acquiring new users, right? And so, you know, I think it's a little bit of a different paradigm. When you looked at console gaming, it was all about brand, right? Like that movie trailer, you know, getting people excited about the game that was coming in this last gaming revolution of free-to-play mobile. It's been all about performance marketing and brand kind of helps it a little bit by decreasing the cost. And really, when you look at the way that that free-to-play came about, it was about that social, that community piece. It kind of just got taken out by some of the advertising products that were out there where you could actually just find the users that you need to grow your game. 
I think with this new paradigm, with this new shift, we're seeing community is such an important piece and it's kind of the foundation, but you're really going to need like a three-pronged, a full funnel marketing approach to be successful in this space. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Yeah. When you say three-pronged, tell us more. I think what's unique about blockchain gaming and especially with community taking the lead is you really have the ability to take the last two revolutions in gaming and combine those to create an actual three-pronged marketing approach, right? I think the, the steps that are used are a little different, but at the end of the day, it comes down to building a community, allowing that community to define the brand that you're trying to build with you versus you defining it for them and then they being ambassadors of it. They really are pieces of the creation of that brand. And so they're true ambassadors. And then what they do is they help you go and acquire more users into that community at a cheaper cost. And so, you know, you're going to need a really strong community, you know, aspect of your marketing team. You're going to need to actually have a two-way communication that feeds into the way that you talk about your brand, the way that you build your brand, the way that you filter your brand, who you're inviting into that community. And then you put those two things together to go and, and build like a, a, an acquisition strategy. How do you actually drive users yeah. into that brand, into the game, into that app experience, you know, whatever it could be in the Web3 space. And so when we think about what blockchain gaming can do for gaming is it's going to allow us to have a, a broader circle because you have to have all three prongs of that marketing. Right. And for folks who may not be familiar with blockchain-based gaming, can you help them understand what you mean by what you said, right? You said, hey, the community is actually invested in the game itself. Help folks understand the exact mechanics of how and why that is the case. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you look at console gaming, you know, which was a predominant player for years and years, the thing that I grew up playing, right? Sega Genesis or SNES or any of those things, you would go to a store and for one time, you would pay $50 to buy that game. And that was the transaction, right? You would spend hours and hours in that game and that game developer would make that $50 off of that. And there was no real like community or communication back and forth until you got like online gaming and then you people were playing against each other. In free-to-play gaming, the way that the model worked was to save time in the game, you would buy items for that time. Right. And so from that perspective, the funnel turned into how do we move people down to that purchase funnel? And it was still a little bit more around the time, but it was around the time you were saving, not the time you were investing. So with blockchain gaming, specifically with play and earn mechanics, what you have is now for me as a gamer, the value that I get is the more time I spend in that game, I receive some sort of a financial incentive to stay in, in that game, right? right? So in this medium, it's NFTs or fungible tokens. And so yeah. the more time you spend, the more valuable you are to that game, the more value you accrue as a member of that community, right? right. And so right. if you look at free-to-play gaming, if you were a valuable user to the game, all of the value that, that was being accrued was for the game developer. And now with this paradigm shift, you as a user have the ability to take financial gain of your time being spent in that game. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about open economies and blockchain gaming. And if I may also point out, in free-to-play, the longer you stay, you probably are valuable within the pecking order of that particular game. That just doesn't count for anything outside of that game. And now that 
status, if you will, or whatever NFTs you have accumulated in game A that is valuable outside of game A, right? Is that a fair understanding and characterization? Exactly. That's where the openness comes. I think some of the outstanding questions that need to be figured out though is, is how does like a sword in like Candy Crush, how does that accrue value? And I think some of those things need to get figured out, but yes, you know, that sword that you got in game A is now worth, you know, X amount of dollars on OpenSea, which you can take that sword out of game A and free to play mobile. Right. But you probably wouldn't be able to use a sword in a Scrabble game, right? Or something completely unrelated. That piece needs to be figured out, but it's still way better than not being able to take that sword anywhere. Exactly. I mean, just think about you know, the region of the world that we're originally from, you know, if people play hours and hours of games, and now imagine if you are, you know, in an up and coming country, and you can make an extra $500 a month, just because you're spending two hours a night playing this game, that not only changes the paradigm of how value is accrued, it also changes the economics of how people can like come out of these countries and build better, greater things, right? Yeah, yeah. Certainly, that makes a lot of sense. And I like the way you contrasted the models of the console, how the economy worked, how free-to-play worked, and now how this is different, even though a lot of the details do need to be worked out still. With all of that said and established, how do you see growth and acquisition evolve for Web3-based games? I know you talked about brand building and how critical that is. But in terms of the actual tactics of user acquisition, of growth, what platforms do you see being effective? And how do you see some of the strategies being different from free-to-play? I think you're going to need to take a lot of what was learned in free-to-play and definitely move it over. I think if you look at the way that analysis was done at a, I mean, you know this better, you've ran really large mobile UA teams building a successful agency on the UA side. You know, the, the modeling and the analytics side is so important to success in gaming, understanding the audiences from a demographic level, a geographic level, but even from a user behavior level. And I think that a lot of those analytics are going to need to come on to blockchain gaming when we talk to a lot of developers they either don't have the dna or haven't thought of that and i think it's going to be extremely important to make that shift i think we're going to see similar channels do well you know i think the demise of google and facebook and specifically facebook is probably exaggerated greatly i think you're going to continue to see facebook to be an important part of the channel mix for any game developer that's going to need to acquire users I think you're also going to start to see other platforms that are continuing to grow like Snapchat, specifically like TikTok, which is driving a lot of volume now at scale at at lower costs. And then I think you're going to see other types of mediums come into play, right? Connected TV, right? If you think about what a blockchain game does and the fact that if it is an open economy, you can probably play it on your phone, on your TV, on your PC, that means that you know things like connected TV are going to continue to be more important sources for traffic. So I think what you're going to see is similar tactics, similar analytics, similar breakdowns, because blockchain gives you more transparency around the data, which I think is really important. I think what you're also going to see is new platforms come in and start to take over Mindshare, but the old ones are still going to be solid sources of traffic. And would it be fair to say that's just because that's where the audiences are? And that's the primary way to get audience adoption. And to contrast some of the tactical execution, my understanding is that a lot of the blockchain-based games, the 
acquisition is still web-based. That's compared to free-to-play, which is more app-based. So would the actual tactical execution be very similar or comparable to most web-based products or web-based campaigns? I think so. I think so. And I think, you know, on the mobile side specifically, we're going to need to see how the platforms react to NFTs. I know that that's an important thing because that's going to define what games can actually have on the mobile side, have NFTs and tokens. And there also aren't a lot of successful games right now with tokens or NFTs embedded within. But yes, definitely on the website, you know, you're starting to see these blockchain gaming companies get serious about it. Like if you look at Axie, Axie's working with a large agency, both on the paid acquisition side and the organic side. And so that tells you like, they're starting to think about things just like any web first company or any mobile first company would. Right. And I think that's also a sign that Web3 games are also starting to look actively at growth marketing, user acquisition, what have you, right? Because again, while community is important, while brand is important, sounds like truly scaling is going to be dependent on user acquisition activity per se. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like it's what you said, right? Like it's where the audiences are. There's over yeah. 2 billion people on Facebook's family of apps, right? There is yeah. Yeah. a million plus people on TikTok. Like I think the last number I saw, there was a few hundred million people that were doing crypto globally. NFTs, yeah. I think only like 4 million people that owned NFTs or something like that last time yeah. I looked. And so if you want to expand the audience, you need to go where the audience is and yeah. the audience are on those platforms to your point. Yeah, yeah. And it's still crazy that a lot of this is growing via the web-based acquisition still, right? If we can bridge the gap between mobile and a lot of the Web3 games, I imagine that could be a big inflection point. And that speaks volumes to how strong the community building is, right? If you look at these examples, you have built these communities from Twitter and Discord and web acquisition and meetups during the pandemic. Multiple billion dollar companies and brands have been built with the community aspect. But for them to get to 10, 15 billion dollar, 100 billion dollar companies, there is this need to go out there and acquire users on other platforms that have those audiences, right? And so the aha moment for free-to-play mobile, which will be the aha moment for blockchain gaming is everybody could play Candy Crush, right? You would see, you know, grandmothers in subways playing Candy Crush to little kids playing Candy Crush. That's what made free-to-play mobile so amazing was it opened the audience of potential users. And that's the key, right? The key to any entertainment business is what is the addressable audience and how can you make that audience bigger? Yeah, yeah. I know you touched a little bit on branding and how and why branding is so critical. Are there examples of games that you can think of, web three based games, that have done very, very well at branding themselves? And if so, are there takeaways for perhaps a smaller or independent game development company that are wanting to build their brand and do it well? Yeah, I think the games that everybody's excited about have done a fantastic job, right? You look at Star Atlas and what the Star Atlas team has done, the way that they thought about their white paper, the visuals that they're sharing, the mission. One of the things that's extraordinary about them is is their game is a few years out, but people are super excited about it, right? And that tells you how strong of a brand they've built. That's a good example of thoughtful marketing around a core mission and focus that they have to build an, an extraordinary game. 
and then honesty with the community about where they're going to be at and how long it's going to take them to do that. And so I think that is a really good example of a gaming company that is like building community, building brand, being honest about it, and still driving like a ton of value for the people within that community. I think we're going to see more examples this year as we bring more sophisticated gaming teams that have that experience building that brand and and doing that marketing. We're starting to see some of those pop up, but Star Atlas would really be one that sticks out to me personally. So it sounds like what they did well is share and share openly with the community, allow the community to engage, which in turn let the community really support and feel invested in the brand itself, which really helped the brand get built up. And the last time we spoke, Atif, you gave me an example of a Web3 game that drove a lot of pre-registrations by offering NFTs. Can you speak to the exact mechanics of how they did that and why NFTs would be so valuable if the game isn't even out in public? Yeah, I believe it was the Guild of Guardians example, right? You know, Guild of Guardians is a game funded in on Immutable X. It's a follow-up game to the first game of Immutable X, Gods Unchained. And, you know, what they were able to do was build a really successful first game and keep the community engaged, right? And when the second game came out, they were able to highlight, hey, like, we've done this before. We've built a really successful game. This is our follow-up game. And they started to engage the community. And, you know, once they were able to engage the community, they were able to like really drive conversation in that community, build like hype uh, is probably the best way to describe it. And then do a NFT drop at the right time. And most of these NFT drops, as you know, are only like 10,000 people, but they were able to drive hundreds of thousands of of pre-registrations because even if people didn't get that NFT, which, you know, the community had been building up and went up in value, they were still like, hey, this game is amazing. Even if I didn't get that NFT, I still want to be a part of this when it comes out. So I want to pre-register. And so, you know, if you think about it, NFTs are really not only value for the user, they have the ability to be a fantastic user acquisition channel for these Mm -hmm. game developers, right? If you're able to build that brand, again, you know, work with your community to build that brand, you know, the way that you described it for Star Atlas, all of a sudden people are so invested that even if they don't get that NFT, they still want to be a part of the community. They still want to get in the game. It's almost like what the app store was when they had the top brick and there was only uh, 1 million games. That first couple hundred thousand organic users are super, super impactful. They drive your costs down, they drive engagement up and, you know, they're hundred percent margin. It's the same kind of tactic that you can do with an NFT if you build the right community and build the right hype around it. Right. And what's impressive is that people picked up these NFTs even before the game was out because they had the conviction and how valuable the NFTs could become. Just to touch on the NFT bit a bit more, right? I know Atif, earlier you said, look, the transferability, if you will, of the NFTs still isn't 100% clear, still needs to be worked out. I'm curious if you can think of any examples of that kind of transferability that's actually present. You gave an example of a sword. Are there examples where an NFT from game A has value outside of it just now? Is there any dimension of that problem that's been solved just now? Yeah, there's definitely the aspect of, hey, you know, this NFT is worth a lot outside of the game. You know, you go on OpenSea, you can see all of these different games that have done the NFT drops and some of them are super valuable. There's 
some games that have done a really great job of building brand and community. We talked about some of those. Sure. Some, it's purely speculative, right? That's the nature of where we're at. But I think to answer your question specifically, like we just haven't seen that many breakthrough hits on the blockchain side. There's not that many games right. out right now. I think this year is going to be very, very important as more games come out and we see more success stories, that's going to force answering a lot of the question, like that sword example that I gave you, like, what is that sword worth in game A and how does that translate to game B? Do you trade that sword for an item in that game right away and, and, sure. and valuable in terms of intrinsic value? And then how do you do that? Because these yeah. values are not static like it was in free-to-play mobile. Do you just make that sword? Like what happened if I took sword A in game A to like GoldenEye, right? Like what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Sword have value? Does it have functionality? I think yeah. as you see more games come out and be successful, it'll force game developers to start working together to figure some of these things out, right? But yeah. that's actually what's super exciting one of the things that I've noticed going from web 2.0 to web 3.0 or free-to-play to blockchain gaming, the free-to-play model was very adversarial, right? Gaming companies were not playing nice. They were not sharing things. They didn't want people yeah. to know each other. And to a certain extent, if you look at free-to-play mobile, you know, innovation stunted because there probably wasn't enough knowledge sharing. There wasn't enough openness about what needs to get done. On the user acquisition side, there was like a lot of back and forth and there was a lot of camaraderie. That's why you saw such success on the user acquisition side. But I think on the game design side, you know, we didn't see that. I think in blockchain gaming, one of the things that I've noticed a big difference is the openness of gaming companies to talk to other gaming companies and sure. be helpful and trade notes. So I think as we see more games come out and be successful, it's going to force gaming companies to work together to figure this out which I think in the end will be a net positive for the user experience, which should be the most important thing anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you said, game A will have to figure out a way for the NFTs in it to be usable elsewhere for it to have any value. Also, as you said, the NFT is actually valuable on OpenSea right now. It's worth money, yeah. uh, worth a lot of money. At least some of it could be speculated, but the true value is in its portability, which I think Canada will be figured out, right? As more and more games come into the market, there's that liquidity built in. And I imagine that can solve a lot of these problems. And I know you also talked about user acquisition for a lot of these Web3 games. I'm curious how you recommend thinking about the concept of LTV, given how the economics of Web3 games work. How do you recommend that a game dev company think about the concept of LTV? It's funny because when we used to have this discussion, with our partners, we would talk a lot about what lifetime value looks like. And I would always get up on a whiteboard and I would, you know, have like a, a diamond and it was a conversion funnel and it was one side was retention and one side was monetization. Right. And it was funny because the monetization side was so important. There was only, you know, three to 4% of people that monetized and you needed these highly retained users to get those people to stay in the game. So they monetized. Right. And so I think from an LTV perspective, the shift will be all towards retention because at the end of the day, this is a community-based open economy and you want to drive the most engaged users to stay in the game longer because that's what's going to get them to be stronger parts of the community that in turn makes the value of those NFTs and tokens are getting higher and higher. 
then retention is going to be the most important factor, right? And the way to retain people in this new paradigm is going to be around providing them value from a community perspective. And so how do you make sure that you are innovating to keep them in the games? And so to your point, I think you made earlier, like after a while, if you had just been in that game and you were, you know, a leader in that game, it was more of like just a status thing in that game. Now, it's going to be around, are you a positive member of the community? And are you driving other people to be positive members of the community that's going to help innovate and keep you in the game? So the retention piece is going to be the most important part, but it's going to be less around data points. And it's going to be more about understanding from those users directly what's going to get them to stay in the game. Right. So I imagine a lot of the modeling is going to be somewhat similar to modeling of virality, right? So just mathematically. Because the more valuable a user is to other users, there's definitely ways to mathematically look at that, the higher the value is, right? Yeah, it's like more like a social media app. It's more like Facebook and TikTok, right? It's like, how do you you keep them in the game? You keep them in the app, you'll find a way to monetize them versus I have to monetize them in this amount of time or I won't make my money. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe we'll get to a phase where users will be aggressively monetized in a few years from now, but I don't think we're anywhere close to that phase just now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Artif, this has been incredibly in-depth. I certainly learned a ton, certainly as much as I have from, you know, that dude in crypto series. (laughs) This is perhaps a good place for us to wrap, but before we do that, could you tell folks how they can find out more about you, everything you do? Yeah. So www.stardust.gg, please come out and fill out a form. Tell us more about yourself and somebody will jump on the phone and tell you a little bit about our product. You know, at the end of the day, our product is really built to help make it easier for game developers to integrate NFTs and tokens into their experiences. And so we'd love to tell you more. And then you can follow me on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter for my do it in crypto uh, series. You can live my experiences in a crypto startup, everything from what the week was like to what's going on in the space. So appreciate you spending time and allowing me to join the podcast. Absolutely, man. It's an honor. Thank you so much for being on the show, Atif. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce. And I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share.